Hey everyone, it's Ariel Hawani. And I'm Chuck Mendenhall. And I'm Pete Carroll, and together we are Three Pack. Join us on the brand new Spotify Live app immediately after all of the biggest fights in combat sports. And also during the weigh-ins, because that's when the real drama happens. So what are you waiting for? Follow the Ring MMA show right now on our exclusive Spotify podcast feed. And come join the best community in MMA. Peace! We're out of here. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older, 18 and older in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. Basketball is so very good. My name is Jay Kyle Mann. This is a Saturday edition of the Ringer NBA show where we are going to be reacting to the playoffs. And, you know, I am joined by actor, athlete, former college basketball player, Nick Collison, disciple, improviser extraordinaire, uh, league pass rankings guru, of course, general muser, tall guy. Do, He's tall. I do feel that that's enough. He towers. I do feel that that's quite enough. I feel like I feel like <laughs> Tyler is so tall that he could like big boy me like under the like I feel like t- Tyler could just hold his arms up under the basket and just stifle me if I tried to shoot over him. That's how big he is. I do folks. agree with this. I do agree with this part of your intro. I would eat, I think I would eat you alive in the post. I think that's true. You just seem like you'd be an, an, an annoyingly efficient guy around the basket. Well, uh, uh, speaking of efficient guys around the basket, Joel Embiid and the Sixers last night, Joel Embiid, we had two games. We'll talk, we'll talk about them in chronological order as we have been doing, because neither one of them really, they were kind of on the same level. We didn't have any like instant classics last night, but we had two pretty good games. Joel Embiid gets the MVP last night. We'll start there. And then immediately they take the floor to try to capitalize on or, you know, recapture the magic of game one when they were at at Boston. They got a huge game from Harden. They turn around and, and they don't they get a get big game from Embiid. They, they lose this game at home. The Celtics reclaim the momentum in the series. What's your what's your first sort of uh, takeaway from this Boston Philly game, Tyler? It, it, ju- it felt like the Sixers just didn't have enough offensive juice to be able to scare the Celtics when it mattered. I mean, the Harden and Embiid pick and roll has been, you know, like 
the bread and butter for them all year. And when, you know, the Celtics start guarding it and kind of keeping a guy at the nail like that, and, you know, they've got that third defender there that's just able to kind of upset rhythm and kind of, you know, funk things up a little bit. When Harden and Maxi, when none of the perimeter guys for Philly really have it going, and it just becomes, okay, Joel, you go to the nail and be God. You know, it's he was gassed, and and you know, I think they just just ran out of firepower. I you talked about like not having the firepower. It was it's it wasn't even a case of like they they like did their best. It was really just they there was a huge absence in this game from mainly Harden and Maxi. We can we'll we'll do Maxi first, and then we'll get to the bigger thing here because there's just so much to get into with the Harden part of this. But right. Maxi had a tough game, 13 points. He was four 16 from the field, three for nine from three, six rebounds and two assists. But Harden is going to be inevitably the big story, you know. Other th- other than aside from like the Celtics did what they needed to do. They didn't have any kind of like Herculean out of body experiences from any one of their individual guys, but they collectively played pretty well. But Harden here is is the big story. Harden in this game, 16 points, three for 14 from the field, two for seven from three. In game one, Harden goes for, you know, 45 points. And then in the next two games combined, he doesn't even crack 30 points on 18, on 18% from the field. Yeah. You hear a lot of like sort of converging like theories about like why this is happening. There are people that are saying that, you know, there was a little bit of rest that he got before in game one that like he that he could rest up. He's had this nagging heel injury, which, you know, if you're a perimeter player, if you're any kind of player in basketball, if you have a heel thing going on, it's pretty debilitating. It's pretty immobilizing, especially against a team that's as rangy and athletic and switchable as the Celtics. But then. You know, you've also got the pressure thing, and it, and it kind of enters in. You're a guy who rooted for for Harden. You're an OKC guy. You were you were there in his like early pre superstar phase sure. when you guys drafted him, and so you've had a pretty good. I, th- I feel like you've had a pretty good view of him and Russ and KD, but specifically on Harden here, this enters into like a a track record now for him of crappy post game performances. What do you make of? What do you make of this sort of resume that he, that continues to pile up that he added to last night? Do you think that this? Why do you think this continues to happen? <sighs> I, <it's kind laughs> of, that was that was good enough. The huge <laughs> sigh, <laughs> but no, we continue. It's kind of hard to be surprised by it anymore. I mean, that you almost feel a little bit silly for letting yourself get a little teased by the forty-five in game in game one. You know, he misses, I think, nine of his first ten shots last night. You know, all told, he's three for 14. It's just a total dud. You just gave the stats. I think since, I think in game two and game three combined, he's five for 28, you know, and he doesn't look in rhythm. Is that credit to the Celtics or is that him just an absence of aggressiveness from him? I mean, I always have a hard time not giving credit to the defense whenever that, whenever, you know, they're giving someone hell on this level. I mean, they, the defense that the Celtic perimeter guys have played the last couple games is way more in line with how they've guarded throughout the season, you know, particularly the Sixers. I mean, you know, Maxie's been having problems with the Sixers, you know, kind of since he's been a big part of that Philly rotation, you know, kind of one game accepted, I think, earlier this year. But the Harden stuff, I mean, 
it's the Celtics are a bad matchup for him. You know, it, it's they've got a lot of bodies that they can throw at him, a lot of different types of dudes, guys that could, you know, have the frame to be able to bother him and not get bodied in the lane by his shoulders like he can do some of those smaller guards when he Mm -hmm. starts getting downhill you know he's not getting calls throughout the game last night there were some sort of you know inexplicable non-attempts from him in the paint when he gets in there and 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 you'd like to think that the shot's going up and yeah he just kind of I mean it's you know I saw someone being like he's you know going Ben Simmons against the Hawks on us or whatever and it's like I I don't know if it was on that level he's not you know he's not passing out of a dunk with uh, Trey Young flying at him exactly but it's not you don't want it to be just like this guy shrinks in big moments and he's mentally weak you want the you want the conversation to be more evolved than that it might just be that man it might he might just not have it and and it and if you've had this many if you've had this many duds over the course of your career in the postseason, it's going to start going through your head when you when you've when you've missed you know your first whatever four shots, like it that that stuff's going to especially coming off of the game he had in game two. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just sort of like, um, oh shit, here we go again. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it didn't. He didn't after the game when they talked when they talked to him. They they asked him kind of about the game and his shot selection or whatever. And he's just sort of like kind of tried to play a little dumb. Like, I don't know. I got to watch the game, but I'm pretty good on basketball instincts. You yeah. know, it's like, it's like, well, that's, I guess that's true, but maybe not, maybe not in April and May. Yeah. He, I mean, this adds to, like we said, this adds to a, a, a sad sort of recurring Mount Rushmore of crap. I don't know. I don't know if it fully like, ascends to like the worst the worst of the worst for him but you know if you looked at you wrote about this though i mean like he he's had some stinkers i mean he had the i guess it was in 2017 the 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 10 point game with six turnovers against against san antonio and they got eliminated well, yeah, and lost he, by almost 40 points i mean uh, speak a little bit to the pantheon of stinkers that harden has uh, the turd the turd bowl well i mean the added factor in that game you just mentioned is that he also fouled out yeah you know like in Game five of the 2015 Western Conference Finals, he sets the playoff record with 12 turnovers. There's, you know, this wasn't just on him, but, you know, pretty grand stinker is the 27 missed threes from the Rockets in that game seven against Golden State in 2018. I mean, you know, that a lot of that rests on on Harden's shoulders, you know, uh, play style, shot selection, you know, all that stuff, right? Like that's that's that performance is kind of a direct result of of the way that those Rockets teams played and they played that way because he wanted to play that way, you know, Mm -hmm. got the inexplicable no show in game six against the Warriors whenever Durant's hurt and not playing and the, the Warriors just kind of run them off the floor. So it, it, there's just, he's had too many moments where it's like, all right, man, if you want to start changing the narrative, now's the time. And it just, he hasn't, he just hasn't answered the bell. You know, after the, the, the post game, well, the post game of this game, you know, they were asking Embiid to comment on what had happened. And it just seems like Embiid, it's making me sad because, and Embiid's not totally innocent. You know, we I guess the injury stuff is is not his fault. It's not, you know, he, he puts himself in these situations where he gets injured because of the way he plays, because of the, how hard he plays and the, and the remarkable things that he does. So I, I guess you can't just be like, 
well, this guy, you know, his injury troubles, you know, he, well, he's a crappy player. Some of the stuff is unfortunate, but he did make some, some comments after the game where I was just thinking to myself, like, is this going to be a big part of like Embiid's sort of plaque? Cause we're going to just be like kept getting paired with these guys who either, yeah. you know, it just seems like it's just unfolding in this way that sucks. But he made a comment that we were tentative about taking shots inside the paint. And then he said, players have to show up. Then he started talking, which, I mean, you know, you could say that's aimed at Maxie and Harden. And then he made a comment about, like, this Boston's roster build. He was like, they have six or seven guys who can put the ball on the floor. And just kind of like, I, you right. could feel Embiid's frustration a little bit. And I was thinking about, you know, years from now, if they do, like, you know, how 2K11, they had the Jordan, like, legend challenge, you know, where you had to, like, you had to, like, do, you had to recreate the different moments in his career. Did you ever play this? You right. know what I'm talking about? I never played it, but I know what you're talking about. Oh, it's one of the funnest like video game modes of all time. But I was thinking if they recreated this for Embiid, I feel like one of them on there would just be like, hey, Joel, you just won the MVP. You know, <laughs> sorry, like Harden's Harden's not going to show up tonight. So you're going to have to have like an out of body experience. And, you know, like Embiid had a good game. He had 30 points. He was nine for 19. No, he he had yeah. four blocks, you know, 13 total rebounds and three assists. But he looked gassed out there, and I, th- I think that's that's a big thing. Is that like the Celtics have an option to a be switchable, fly around, bother them, uh, you know, exploit. I feel like no superstar duo in the history of the league, like maybe not in the history of the league, but what superstar duo in the league falls down more than Harden and Embiid? Can you think of one? It's a lot of falling. I don't think so. I mean, it it uh, you know maybe Anthony Davis falls down enough that he qualifies just yeah. on his own. But it, <laughs> but but the but the Embiid haters would probably say that about him too. Yeah, I mean, they, yeah, it's a lot of falling. Boston jumped out though. They jumped out. They were white hot to start this game. They had a fourteen to two run. They had all kinds of situations where you know they were getting into the lane, and you talk you're talking about all the different guys that can that can pass and that can draw uh, draw the defense and and get into the lane and hit shots. Tatum had a pretty solid one in this one in this game, but it seemed like and they were attacking hard and defensively, but it seemed like any any time one of those guys fell down, it seemed like you know Boston was pushing in transition. They just kind of kept them on their heels all night. It seemed like yeah, they just see, I mean Boston just sort of seemed. I mean, even even as Philly, you know, played some more athletic lineups, some McDaniel's minutes in there, and things like that, more Melton than Tucker, that sort of stuff. Like, just Boston just seems way superior athletically, and you know, if they play the right lineups and do get out and push, then they're just going to be tough to stop. I mean, you talked about Tatum, kind of finally. Having a nice game, he goes, you know, whatever, he's 50% from the field. He goes 10 for 20, 27, 10 and 5. But those last, he, he has those two huge shots late, which like felt like really sort of encapsulate, you know, why he's just such a tantalizing shot maker a lot of the time. The second one in particular, posting up almost deep on the wing, I think, right? If he start, I can't remember if he started out with his back to the basket or not kind of deep out there, but he tightroping on that kind of step back. His footwork is just, yeah, he, you know, he kind of reversed pivoted and then stepped back. I think is what he did. He, he had him sealed on his hip, and then, yeah, it kind of was like, he a, can, yeah, he can really go. And it, with some some of that, some of that, you know, one on one tight space footwork stuff, where he can kind of, you know, wiggle around in the phone booth and you know rise up at six nine and hit those things. It's just really, really 
really, really tough to deal with. He's He hasn't been just a burner this postseason at all. So it was good to see him, you know, kind of catch a rhythm there. But especially lately, because he is one of these freaks that late clock, late game scenarios, he's got the skill set to be able to go get a bucket against anybody and just not, you know, not everybody's got that. Yeah. Uh, another thing that we were kind of talking about in this game was, you know, Grant Williams at one point. There, there's been a it's a funny relationship that I feel like the general basketball co- like public has and and Celtics fans. If you hear them talk about it, I, I feel like I just know a lot of Celtics fans in general. So this is probably why this happens. But, yeah, you know, him and Der- like Derek White, you'll hear you'll hear like self. There's such a range that, that people will be like, Derek White might be an all star. I feel, I feel like people just <laughs> go wild with it. But then they'll, they'll be like, I Hey, maybe every fan base is like this. So, and then they'll be like, he, he's unplayable. He can't play. I feel like Grant Williams yeah. kind of has a similar vibe with that. Are you surprised that Grant Williams is alive after Joel Embiid basically tried to step on his head like he was smashing a grape? I mean, I, it was it was a, a jarring moment in this game. I can't believe he's still got all his teeth. I was like sure that there, you were going to just – he was going to get up and you were just going to see a handful of teeth there. <laughs> Jalen Brown said it was the craziest thing he'd ever seen on a basketball floor. I don't know if I'll go that far, but it, I mean, like it was, it was, it was much harder than it seemed like it was in real time. Like yeah. in real time, it was like, Oh, did he get kind of like, you almost thought like, like the calf drug along the back of his head or something that it wasn't when you saw the slow-mo sheesh. Yeah. I mean, it, Grant Williams is one of the most annoying players in the league. And just sort of, I think, grading as a, as an on-court personality, he must – I don't know if he's – my guess is is that he gets to the arenas early on some of these nationally televised games and is waiting outside the production truck with his shirt already off so they can put the mic on him. He's just ready to go. <laughs> I'm just – like that, you think I'm he just volunteers to be to be the dude. The he hits every game, yeah. every single time. I guarantee you that guy is front row raising his hand. I'll wear it. Yeah, I you know like he he has it. He has like a. I mean, plays so hard. Don't want to take anything away from from that. But yeah, the vibe is sometimes just a little bit kind of. I just, I mean, I said to you, I was texting, we were, we were texting during the game. There's just something a little bit kind of child actory about it, right? Where it's like, you feel like. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> Explain you feel it. like it, when you hear him talking on these mic'd, <laughs> on these mic'd up things, there's something very sort of stilted and, okay, my mom told me everything I'm supposed to say in the intro to this audition. My name is Grant. I love to spend time with my friends and family, eat pizza, and the color blue. Yeah. It's not that it's performative exactly, but it's just like, dude, tone it. Like if you, I, I feel like if I'm Tatum or or Brown or Smart or Horford, when you see these situations and Grant Williams is like in the huddle, like, come on, guys, we just have to be we, – we, we, we're not playing our game. We have to play – it's like, dude, shut up. You, you know your spot. Well, there's there's all kinds of, like, extracurricular things that you can weaponize in basketball, whether it be, like, Draymond's fire and Draymond's, like, aggressiveness and, you know, messing with people, shit-talking people, talking to the refs, getting guys thinking about things. You can weaponize sure. some of those things. And like, but the, like I've always said, they can kind of teeter on the edge of like, hey, this could go wrong and screw us over. Like, I mean, that's kind of a thing that goes on in basketball. Yeah. But what's funny about Grant is like Grant's thing is like he 
And I feel like he knows this. Like, that's what's kind of funny about him is that oh, like. For sure. I he, think he, he has to be that. He he knows like it, that he has like a natural sort of thing that grates on people. Like I feel I feel like I heard Stephen Adams say this one time. He was like, "I annoy people." Do you remember that quote where he was like, "I just get on yeah. people's nerves." Yeah, well, because he like I mean Adams's thing, and I'm sure on, with Williams on some level it's similar. Like you know, a- Adams didn't even grow up watching the NBA, and even whenever he was trying to get to the league, wasn't even really watching it. So he didn't have all this like the stars in the league weren't these like hallowed dudes to him. He wasn't like awestruck by them and really paying them a lot of deference. And so he gets into these playoff series and he's like, you know, giving Zebo forearm shivers and stuff and just sort of playing how he would play against anybody else. And guys are like, Hey, what you, you respect me right now. You have to respect me right now. (laughs) That's a funny, yeah, that's a funny thing that we don't think about a lot. I think is that, yeah, that, that, that stuff is just sort of in our, in our, in our mind subconsciously even that like, yeah, that, that they are going to give them this sort of, and and I could see how that throw them off. But I guess the point I was going to make is that like, the funny thing about Grant is that like his annoyingness past superpower like you described it, like it'll annoy his own team. It'll annoy their own fans. And, and it's like, but then you have this weird dynamic of he gets a 300 pound man steps on his head and he comes right back into the game. And he, and he doesn't even yeah. like get mad at, at Embiid. He's just like, nah, man, it's all good. It's all part. A, I think Embiid was lying. I think that I, I, I don't know. I don't know if I want to say that or not, but it's, <sighs> You think he saw? You think he tried to step on him? That would be hard to do. That would be hard to I don't do. Think he, I don't think he could have. I don't think that Embiid could have aimed well enough going backwards. Yeah. Without really seeing where he. I don't think he. I mean, Embiid's taken some, you know, shots at dudes in the past or whatever. But it didn't seem. It seemed just like, you know, big tree fall hard and like that. And that, you know, that's kind of yeah. Yeah. Well, that that led us to discuss something that we would like to see the league adopt, which is something that we're, we want to call when it comes to the challenge rule, we want to call, we wanted to like in, inject something called the, this fucking guy provision. <laughs> so, so in a game, in, a, in this game, this is what brought this up is that like, I, I believe it was Melton to sort of like, aggravatedly sort of just kick the ball. It wasn't, it wasn't like a full on like Chuck person punt the ball or a, or a Pete no, Bell punt the like ball. A, it was just a he, sort of, he, he kicked he, it. He sort of kicked he looked like it. A ki- yeah. A kid. He looked like a kid who was just like having fun and just, it looked like you were shooting around at the end of a practice. Right. And that you had just taken some big long shot and you were about to run into the locker room and you just give the ball a little kick just as like, it didn't seem mad at all. Yeah. And, and so Grant sees this and the cameras all caught this Grant, like excitedly, he, he seemed to really enjoy it. He runs up. I feel like Grant could have been like an IRS auditor in another life or something like he, he like he runs up and is like frantically pointing, frantically yeah. pointing, gets yeah. them big CP3 energy here, runs up. And- big CP. I was thinking this, it was the big CP3 energy when like it was the same kind of pointing that CP3 was doing to DeAndre Jordan that one time when he was like, shoot it, shoot it. Yeah. Remember that? Like whatever, whatever game that was? Yeah. Or the or the untucked jersey is a famous one too. But well, we, were, too. Yes, yeah. we were saying under the under the, the the this fucking guy provision, a team would be able to review a, a call a call like this. And if someone is behaving in a way that is a little over the edge or maybe it's annoying, yeah. the referees can throw it to Sakakis and they can look at it and right. review the footage and be like, you know what, they're right. This fucking guy, he he did, you know. <laughs> 
on the on the basis of this fucking guy. Uh, we're gonna overturn the call. We did watch it again upon further review. Does seem that uh, DeAnthony Melton's face was almost whimsical when he kicked the ball. There was no malintent there. At which point in time, Grant Williams approached and behaved like a spoiled child, and we did deem it of this fucking guy scenario. And uh, <laughs> they keep their time out. It should be two free throws. I think that that's where I think of this fucking guy is worth two free throws, and probably and the ball, right? Yeah. There's some guys that are going to be more prone anyway. Uh, the, this fucking guy provision, just tell us what you think about that, if that's going to work. The thing about, you know, what's funny is uh, I was going to say, too, uh, another big outing from this game. You know, we're, we're laughing and joking, but in, in seriousness here, like, you know, they did get a big game from Tatum, 27 points, 10 for 20, 10 rebounds, 5 assists. He's getting off the ball better and, and hitting his shots, picking his spots well. Horford actually, Al Horford, in defiance of God, continues to just – he just makes winning play after winning play. He had an incredible play at the end of this game where Melton comes out on him, and Melton is just froggy. He's just – he's too froggy. Yeah. He's way too excited. Stay down. I don't know what you're doing. He's trying to, like, deflect the pass, and Horford is just – his resting heartbeat as a player is just so low. He sees that Melton is too froggy. He's just like, okay, simple ball fake to the right wing. Melton jumps a thousand feet into the air. And then, yep. you know, there was some there was some back and forth about whether or not Al Horford was an elite shooter because some reporter yeah, laughed. Yeah, so he got pissed at that reporter for laughing at him. I saw that. I watched the clip. I don't blame the you were talking about giving the respect like, you know, whenever somebody like that, that you do respect or you want to like, yeah. you know, you're, you're treading lightly. He sort of right. smiled in this way that like that was sort of like I'm kind of kidding. I don't know if you've seen the clip of him, but he was kind of smiling. So the guy kind of laughed with him and then Horford yeah. immediately pulls the chair on him and is like, oh, it's funny. <laughs> That's funny to you? I was like, that was kind of abusive what he, he just did. He beshied him. Yeah. I mean, the report, the, the, the like gaggle of reporters laugh, I think is very similar to, you know, pastor just made a joke in church laugh where the, the bar is very low <laughs> and, and you are just it, it, almost lacking out people are almost laughing out of shock that the, that the that a bit happened at all in that moment yes. not whether or not it was funny and you also have with the reporter side of things i think there's always the like hey yeah we're all friends here yeah we yeah you like yeah you like us we're you buddies. like us right yeah 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 you look, we see each other all the time you like us well, oh al yeah al's great yeah we're great we're close <laughs> Well, Al, Al, after, you know, the, speaking of elite shooter, he he can, I mean, maybe one of the bigger plays of the game, I think it was a four point game with like three and a half minutes to go. He hits that shot. And, you know, the Celtics just were more composed down the stretch. But, you know, we talk about this on a game to day, game to game basis daily, like we like we've said here on the Ringer Podcast Network. Check it out. Subscribe. And, you know, we, we freaked out about game one. But, you know, all that said, you know, Philly still has a chance to take this game back to, to Boston tied. How confident are you in that in them doing that at this point? I I mean, I think Embiid can go Superman and 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 get a game even if he doesn't have anything else around him. Like I think he's still, you know. He played super well, but I, you know, I, I think he's he's shown he has a, a higher level he could get to if the knees if the knees right or, or right enough. The concern is just defensively, Embiid's covering up a lot of mistakes for 
those guards on the perimeter and is just getting really, really tired. If they crank the variance and just, you know, it's if it's either Harden and Mead pick and roll and be working from the elbow, and then you just you've got, you know, Maxi and Melton and and Harden and Harris just firing and a and a couple of them get hot. It's totally is totally possible. I it, it yeah, the Celtics just still feel like a bad matchup to 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 me for the for the Sixers. Brown's been Brown's been was was had a good game uh, last game and just sort of he seems like a big problem for them yeah, matchup wise and and is is playing well you know sort of despite those odd turnovers in the, in the last game but yeah I I don't I don't know I if you know all my belongings on the table I'm I'm picking the Celtics for sure I don't think it's I don't think it's an impossibility for for the for the Sixers to 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 get one or even two more but yeah I mean things on the hard in front better change in a hurry and it and it doesn't seem like that they're they're not used to changing like that in the playoffs when it comes to him yeah well crank crank the variance I think is a good title for this podcast and I'll submit that to Jade our producer <laughs> This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Visible Wireless. Want a wireless provider that always brings its A-game? Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. And as if that wasn't already a huge win, you could use promo code RINGER20 to receive $20 off your first month just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. It's 3 p.m. and dinner is still hours to come. Maybe lunch didn't quite hit the spot. That's where the new two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps from Arby's come in. Available in ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for the afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Arby's 2 for $5 chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. Let's go ahead and move on to the other game, which was Suns Nuggets. This was, you know, you're talking about, uh, as you were as you were talking about, like, Harden's resume for you know just stinkers turds i feel like we have a we have an, a resume sort of accumulating with devin booker big game book as i called him a couple of years ago in the playoffs so really the only big blemish on his resume at this point was that game against dallas last year where the phoenix just fell apart COVID had entered who who specifically had it i don't know i don't have the test but uh, we we know that COVID <laughs> had entered the equation and it was very disruptive and uh, as well as luka Doncic was was very disruptive but last night yeah. We get an out of body. I, it's still, it's getting to the point where I didn't even know if it's out of body, Tyler. Like if you if you're looking at like the playoff averages for 
for Devin Booker, you have to kind of start wondering, is he him? You know, I, I know that that's a really tough yeah. question to answer, but he had, <laughs> you know, in these playoffs, he had 30, he's been averaging 36.9 points, 48.9% from three on nearly six attempts. I mean, just yeah. Eric Wareheim, like brain explosion, right. <laughs> 6.9 assists, 2.1 steals. In the first quarter of this game, he comes out. You know, they, they, what's funny is they lose the quarter by two points. You know, Denver was in a, in a, in a rhythm in the first quarter of this game. They had 31. It was 31 29, but Book comes out and goes eight for 10 in the first quarter for, for 18 points. Overall, last night, Booker gets 20 for 25 for 45 points. What impressed you about Devin Booker's performance last night? Why, how was he able to do this? What the hell's going on? Give me, give me, help me here. The contested shot making stuff now is getting ridiculous. On t- like he's always been a good shooter, and I think the ball handling's always been pretty underrated. Like always unhurried, you know, steady pace. You're not going to see him get worked up. You know, like he, he's he's going to get to his spots. He's going to do what he wants to do. I think that some of the stuff that he's been doing, and it's not like he hasn't gone there. You know, sort of before in past games, but I think just seeing him do it on this stage, some of the stuff he's doing kind of in the mid post a little bit, some of these like kind of like taking guys down there and hitting these contested turnarounds in big spots when the, when the Suns need a bucket, especially during some of these games, you know, prior to last night and then in the stretches last night, whenever Durant wasn't getting to the line, right? Well, hey, speaking of getting to the line, he scored 45 yeah. points and only well, went to the free throw line twice. That's incredible. Wait, was it 45? He, he had 47, right? Was it 47? Yeah, he had 47. I misspoke. Yeah, two free throws. No, yeah. no, Crazy. Yeah, it's like it's it, if you look at like polar sides of the of the of the spectrum or polar sides of the spectrum, opposite sides. What Harden's doing with the with the baiting and, and the depending on the play style, and then you look at what Booker's yeah. doing, it's just incredible. Like how it's trans, like it's it's night and day, man. Yeah, it, like it. He's hitting like eighty percent on corner threes. He's like at like you know he's like hitting over fifty two percent in the mid range or something like that. It's the pull up threes working. Everything is working. He's getting to the rim. He's also just one of these guys that he doesn't get talked about as. I don't think as like a guy who is this great processor of the game, like a like a Luca or somebody or whatever, LeBron, right? But like, if the Nuggets slip up, if you know the, Murray had some sort of inexplicable gambles late in the game last night, some you know sometimes where for some reason he's leaving Booker to go double Durant and stuff like that. Oh, it's we'll like, get, we'll dude, get to maybe that. pick yeah. somebody else. Yeah. Maybe we go get maybe we somebody who doesn't have forty. Maybe we go double off of him. But like he just you know the, the, one of those one of those daggers kind of late to I think to push the lead maybe to maybe the seven or so KCP almost kind of winds up in no man's land a little bit. Durant's got the ball up around half court, kind of in the, kind of in the corner and KCP is kind of gets in no man's land a little bit to try to bring the double and Durant gets rid of it early and Booker just attacks immediately goes to, and, and just goes right to the rim and just takes an angle where KCP can't catch back up and he knows that Mur- he's not worried about Murray at all. Murray's sort of turned around, almost facing the stands whenever the ball's in the air to Booker in the first place. By the time Booker's got the ball, 
starting to head downhill. Only then is Murray turning around and Murray just does some little kind of bluff and get back trying to get to whoever in the corner. I think it was Warren. And it's, you know, Jokic, once somebody gets to the rim, isn't going to be able to do much, right? So he feels like he's not just on a heater. He feels like he's like taking advantage of a defense that does not have the guns right now, at least to be able to stop you know, him and Durant, right? Like maybe they can, you know, Durant put, puts up a big number last night, but super inefficient, you know, whatever it was, 12 for 31, he gets to the line. And so he gets his numbers like that. That's what stars do. That's a smart game by him. But yeah, I mean, they, they don't look like they can do anything with book. And, and I mean, that's, you know, case, these are good. These are good defenders. KCP is getting turns on him, right? Like, you know, Gordon's getting turns on him, Bruce Brown, like it doesn't matter. It's he's, he's roasting everybody. Let's talk a little bit about like sort of the broad stuff that they've shifted here. Now, I, I, I saw it brought up that, you know, talking about basketball, it has sort of a, a directional sort of flow to it. You know, you'll watch a lot. Of, you were talking about the like uh, the, the Harden, the Harden teams. And when they would they were very north, south, heavy, very pick and roll, heavy, very like here it comes. And teams could kind of load up. And because of those guys were so incredible, you know, Lucas still plays like this. They can load up and they can still pick you apart. A lot of these guys are like bigger playmakers. But the you know and that's the north south thing but the east west thing is something that like they have tapped into you talk about like these wide pin downs where kevin durant comes off of off of it moving laterally as opposed to moving like forwards and backwards and they've had some success with that and and you know whenever whenever they get into this flow where i feel like a lot of the nba is you build your team to sort of be built on the premise of like basic actions. Like when we come down a lot of the time, we like to run this type of pick and roll. We like to dump it. We like to ISO from here. And then from there, whether or not you you're able to efficiently, you know, execute that your offense sort of becomes read and react flow. And it's sort of, it's sort of like if a, you know, I know you're the, the actor with the improvising, tell me if this is ridiculous or not, but (laughs) you're laughing. No, I mean like whenever something goes off plan, the best, you know, the best actors, the best, you know, I, I did some acting growing up, so I, I'm sort of familiar with this. But the, the best people that you want to be in a situation with are the guys, are the people who can, guys or girls, who can steer the the car back on the road with with some improvisation, with some, like, skill to, like, okay, the initial thing we were trying to do here didn't go the way we wanted. And the best offenses in the league f- get into this flow state where they can read and react and continue to punish the defense that is rotating. You know, you keep them rotating, but you efficiently make good decisions. And I feel like Phoenix has hit something here where they're running these sort of lateral east-west actions and then kicking the ball and then reacting quickly. Monty Williams is all about like the .5 decisions. You catch the ball, you don't fucking hold it. You quickly shoot it, you dribble, or you pass it. You know, so they did a really good job moving into – space that the eagerness that Denver had to sort of close on them. And you saw that over and over again, there was, there was, this is a good example. There was a sideline out of bounds play late in the game where KD was, was inbounding it. And Devin was coming over a screen and he caught the ball and you could tell Denver knew they were, they were anticipating a handoff to KD, but instead of handing the ball, to KD, he just, you know, pulls it like like a quarterback and sneaks into the mid-range and hit just an absolute – I thought that was the play you were talking about. He just hits an oh, absolute yeah. dagger. But they had a lot of success, I feel like, attacking the gaps. And they even – and, you know, Monty Williams, 
in case of emergency, broke the glass and pulled in some TJ Warren and some Terrence Ross at different points during this game. But I feel like they've had some success, like generating offense on that front. Yeah, I mean, Warren was a plus 20. I mean, they, they like, you know, getting more offense out there, just giving them a little bit more space to play in Booker and Durant, I think was was huge. They got out and ran more. It seemed like a, a concerted effort on their part to try to not let Denver's defense get set up exactly. But I think what you're saying with the, like, kind of trying to go east to west, it just, like, ups the number of decisions that they that the defense has to make. You know what I mean? It just gives guys – more and more opportunities to mess up. Part of sometimes it's not even necessarily about like, okay, this pass is going to be the pass before the shot or this pass is going to get us the shot, right? It's just like, well, let's just get this thing moving and get them rotating and give defenders, you know, like Murray, who are prone to gamble or prone to maybe get a little bored or a little lost or whatever. Let's give them, you know, ample opportunities for that to happen. And yeah, I mean, I think you saw that. I mean, the the, the transition defense had been a thing for Denver sort of during the regular season. And so, I mean, it, they were kind of middle think, of the road. Like they were sort of an sure. average team, you know, against the teams that attack and, and, and like are proficient at it, you know, 28 transition points last night for Phoenix. Yeah. Attacking like early. I, I was, I was telling you, I love Denver had some success with it too, where they were like kind of picking on post mismatches, like early clock. Like Gordon had a really nasty one, but yeah. But yeah. Phoenix, I think. The other thing, too, is that like and Draymond has talked about this, that this is one of the big things that I think the Warriors sort of brought to the NBA is this sort of lateral stretching you out with decisions, quick action, stacking actions on top of each other. I always think about like, do you ever play at Dr. Mario? You ever play that game? I know the game you're talking about, but I never played it. What the fuck? Uh, so anyway, in Dr. Mario, if you get a combination, like if you your goal is to like eliminate the viruses and if you can eliminate a couple in like one hit. It's sort of like Tetris where if you can like knock out sure. multiple rows at once, if you do that and you're playing head to head with somebody else, you can make more obstacles fall down on your opponent on the other side. So right. they have to deal with them. And I always think about that whenever I watch teams that do this, they just keep stacking decisions and you as a unit have to continue to like not make right. a mistake. And the other thing too, is that like you're moving Jokic left and right and the low that's the other thing about like when the ball's reversing the low man changes yeah. once you start having to have that communication that that puts a lot of stress on a defense well and they were and they were you know they like finally started to you know you saw booker and durant and even Payne. like you know they Jokic is coming up to the level they start rejecting these ball screens trying to make Jokic cover a little bit even more ground right just like trying that you know trying to change up their looks that direction. I think they can do a lot. I think Phoenix could do a lot more to get to help Durant get some easier buckets, get some better shots, get some shots on the move, some shots going to the rim. It feels like even though they are capable of some of these actions like you're talking about that have given the Denver defense, you know, problems at certain times just because of the threat of these two ISO monsters in Durant and Booker, but sometimes it does feel like that it's in the same way it would in even some of those on some of those Golden State teams with Durant is almost like, okay, here's the ball. Go score. Yeah. Go ahead. And he's, he's not quite the same physically anymore to do that. You know, no, that, that, yeah, that, that, that's definitely a a factor. I, I would feel remiss if we didn't mention that I think Gordon is doing a hell of a job on him and, and is, 
is playing a great series and his backup five minutes and the bench the bench lineups that that Malone has gone to here that have all of a sudden been super successful for the Nugs since the playoffs started are a huge reason why they've you know, at times, you know, looked like maybe the best team in the postseason thus far, where before they're losing all these Jokic minutes. Now you shift Gordon down to the five. You can switch everything. You've got Bruce Brown out there being a terror. I mean, Bruce Brown is stoning Aiton in the post. Like it's, you know, it, it's, it's, it, it's a, it's a fun brand of ball to, to, to watch whenever that bench unit really gets kind of flying around out there like that. And I mean, Gordon is a small ball five. I feel like NBA hipster types were, you know, praying for that from the Orlando days and it never, never really happened, but it's a fun little wrinkle and it's, and they, you know, they've got the, they've got the, the, the personnel to make it, to make it work. I mean, it, it if you're, what, what's your temperature on eight and after, I mean, we talk, you talk about like a, you know, hardened shit in the bed. It, it, Aiton, maybe not on that level exactly, obviously, because he, there's not he's not he's not the player Harden was at all. But like it, he's he just has not been able to get going, and it doesn't. He, he just looks super ineffectual. Yeah, I was going to say Phoenix might might end up uh, sealing the deal and getting him traded. Um, yeah, last night I, I don't want to make this all about the Suns. There are there's there are things to talk about with the Nuggets, obviously going forward. For sure. and I want to, but. Yeah, I mean, there there were a few plays in this game where you could tell like KD was getting frustrated with him. There were you know short rolls where I, th- I think there was one in particular. You know, Jamal Murray not known for his rim deterrence. He's not known as somebody who uh, repels right. and 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 th- actually Booker's actually gotten incredible at like verticality around the rim for a guard instead of you know taking charges like cowards. The <laughs> the Aiton thing that is funny is that like Aiton is catching it like 13, 14 feet, and you can just watch him. The terror on his face, where it's like I was talking talking to you about like, hey, one dribble, reverse pivot, you know, left hand, right hand, shot fake. You see him catch, he freaked out. He had he had he had Jamal Murray significantly shorter than him. You know, Jamal Murray's probably six three. You know, maybe maybe six four. And and Aiton is is a legit seven foot, to my knowledge. You know, and the details of that don't even matter. He should have been able to take some kind of a dribble. You know left hand, right hand, and he loses his minutes uh, to Jock Landale because Landale is a, pardon the, the stereotypes and everything here, he's a lunch pail. He comes in and does the job. He comes in and he, he's finishing around the rim and making those simple plays. You just, well, we just like of, playing with some, he's just playing with some force. I mean, you just look out there. That's and it. Just that's exactly like, even, it. Even, even the blind eye stuff, you're just like, uh, oh, he is just playing harder. Yeah. You know, he, like he just is, it, it, there, you know, it, you talk about Aiton, you know, catching in the lane and 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 not being able to get it done. There was he, there was a moment where he screens for Booker and kind of this this was in the this was in the second quarter I think he screens for Booker and they've got they've got Durant weak side kind of one pass away so Gordon doesn't want to get Gordon can't get sucked down too far and Aiton catches it with basically nobody around him. MPJ's kind of flying at him and MPJ's you know. Tall, but he's you know you're, you're, this, this isn't Stromile, right? Like this is you know. Thank you're you not, for that. What, Thank you, you know, for that. No that problem. was for me. The, that, that was, was for me. you. I did that. I did that specifically for you. The but it, but like he just you know he just goes to lay it in, and you don't want to like I don't want to start sounding like Shaq on here where it's like go dunk the ball, big fella. But on some level, you are just kind of like, hey man, you got like if if they want to turn the series around in a big big way. 
the only way for that to happen is for him to start at least trying to meet some of this Jokic force with some of his own and, yeah. or, or trying to use some of his skill set that he has that Jokic doesn't have, trying to get out and run and transition a little bit, right? Like it, like Aiton, Aiton can do that. It, if, if, if the Suns are committed to kind of changing up a little bit the way they play now and trying to run a little bit more, trying to, trying to beat the Nuggets before their defense can get set up, that's a way that if Aiton will just bust his ass down the floor, he can get some buckets like that, I think. You know what I mean? Like it's just – but it, it – I don't know, man. It it, it, it was – the the more games like that that you see from, from him, just – it just gets more and more disconcerting because it's like – I think you start to feel like, well, you're not asked to do – like you, you're being asked to do things that you can do. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. It doesn't feel like they're asking too much of him, you know? And when you do see the team just play harder whenever they bring somebody else in, it's hard to not to not notice that. You know what I mean? It's just like the, the energy on the floor comes up all the way. You see these shots of him, you know, not wanting to talk to Chris Paul multiple times during timeouts. I kind of get it. I get know? it. I you get know, maybe it, man. You don't, maybe – Maybe it's it, it, Chris Paul would probably not be that fun to talk to. If you're DeAndre Ayton yeah, in this situation I mean, it, in their history, yeah, for sure. I mean, there was there, there were there were reports from some Phoenix people that sort of like you know the 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 broadcast itself focused a lot on like Ayton's not out there, and then you see him on the uh, over there and he looked pissed. I guess they I guess there were reports that you know during timeouts and kind of as the game was closing, he had kind of collected himself and was talking to Landale and stuff, which is cool. That's good to, that's good to know and good to see, but you would just, you just like to see him play the way that you know, he can just be a springy dude in the middle that rebounds and defends and just sprints the court. Like you'll get Durant and Booker are going to be getting so much attention. You know what I mean? It's he's, he's got, Especially now, they're going to start running doubles at those guys even more next game, right? Like it's they're going to be blitzing the hell out of Booker, and so I, I, I still think even next game, Aiton will have a chance to, you know, kind of be like, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn it around here. Yeah, but it just he doesn't, he doesn't seem like the type. Yeah, there's going to be a chance, and I, I think coming away from this game, I think for the Nuggets and for the Suns, it becomes as we look forward to how this is going to go. Uh, in game four, I think it becomes a question of sort of like progression and regression. I think if you're looking at like the progression for the for the Suns would be, you know, Durant was was semi mortal by his standards in the first two games. I mean, he got it. You know, he got his twenty six and a half points, but it wasn't super efficient. You know, he was only twenty percent from the from the three point line. He wasn't getting to the foul line. And in this game, thirty nine points and uh, he got, you know, 16 free throws in this game and it, a little bit more efficient. But. And then you got to start thinking about like what we were talking about is Booker going to continue to be Herculean and then are we going to get, you know, some more from Aiton? They're going to need to they're going to need to have those guys firing on all cylinders. The other thing I think is if you're if you're the Nuggets and you look at this and you think, "Okay, you know, we're doing a pretty decent job. I think we can probably continue to do a decent job on Durant as far as the standard for doing a decent job on Durant goes, as we know, is a tough thing. Throughout, throughout the, I think they scored enough to win. I think if they, if things go, if things go well the next game, because if you watch down the stretch, they had some sort of fun. There were some weird calls, but there were also a lot of missed chippies. There were some sort of weird miscommunications that I think that they can tighten up, like around the basket. I think there were a few missed shots. I, I still feel pretty good if you consider like, that that progression regression thing, I still kind of feel like it's in Denver's favor considering the way everything went. Because I think if they don't overreact and overhelp in some of the situations like we were talking about, 
I don't think they're going to be giving up those corner threes to like TJ Warren. And like, I, I feel like Denver can kind of tighten up a little bit and they'll probably be fine. Even if Booker continues to play well. That's, that's kind of my vibe too. I like, I, you know, it, it feels like a, I think it feels like a series that's going to go six or seven. You know, I would, I, in my head, it's still Denver's to lose. I, it, it, it feels like that, Phoenix has to commit fully to this smaller lineup, play fast kind of vibe. Like, I just don't think that defensively, even if they did play these all defensive lineups, I just don't think they're going to be able to get enough stops to be able to to justify how ugly it's going to look on the other end. I think the way that they beat them is if they just try to just run, 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 go, go, go. And... I think Jokic is just too tough of a matchup there, to be honest with you. Like, even in the game last night, you know, it, Phoenix wins. Jokic was playing how he wanted to play. They, they, you know, they didn't have him. You know, they had him more playing the way they wanted him to play in game two when he goes for 39, you know, and 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 10 and 5, where he's, you know, not getting as many people involved, right? Like that – the terrifying Jokic and the nug and, and and Nuggets are at their best whenever he's pinging it around and they're getting everybody involved and you've got Murray in a rhythm and MPJ in a rhythm and KCP in a rhythm, you know you've got Bruce Brown out there doing things. Christian Brown's been great for them defensively and it, like to be a to be a to be a rookie out there getting these minutes and not looking not looking you know like you don't belong is is big. Yeah, I mean they've the Nuggets stuff that they do well feels more duplicable and more sustaining than what the Suns have been doing offensively, despite how Booker's been on one all postseason. You know what I mean? Like Booker has been consistent and Booker's shot making has been consistent. He's been doing it. It's it's honestly fair to assume that he's going to go for 35 for the rest of the series, right? Like I, I think that that's just what he's been He's been killing from Clippers since the jump. You know, like it, it's been impressive. But the rest of that offense, you know, you just maybe they get maybe they get a big game from you know maybe they get a bunch of threes from Terrence Ross one get you know next game maybe they get a bunch you know what I know it's TJ just Warren goes you know what you know you you like this I almost just called TJ Warren Willie Warren Whoa. almost just now that's a Willie that's Warren. the one for the heads well, I was just gonna say I I just had a couple sort of uh, lighter notes about Denver before we before we wrap up and get out yeah of yeah here. yeah the Willie Warren I'm kind of I'm reeling a little bit from the Willie Warren <laughs> reference. Kentucky recruited him, by the way. We they wanted Willie him. War, Willie Warren and Tiny Gallon. They showed up at OU, and Keith, everybody was like, "All right, that's it." Keith, Tiny Gallon, sorry, Kansas. We're the big boys on the block now. Move over. And then Billy G wanted Willie Warren, and didn't get him. No, there were a couple. Uh, there were a couple just things with Denver. First of all, Jokic threw a righty one-handed yeah. skip pass to the corner, fully yeah. not looking. I, that how far of a pass was that? I mean, that was like a how many feet were, was that pass? I mean, it was it, it was, was easy. It was from the it was from like extended right wing above the three point line, right? So 30, 25, somewhere between 25 yeah, yeah. and 30 feet on a rope 
perfectly perfectly lands i forget who shot, it was kcp i was saying you yeah. know kcp I've, I've had this thing we're talking about things if we run the league we got the we've got the this fucking guy provision we've also got right. i just think there should be jail time for people who miss shots like kcp want you know one dribble pull up that and hit it but if i if somebody throws me a pass i would what percentage of people in the world tyler you you've like sort of you've pontificated about Jokic a lot. What percentage of people in the world would that be the best pass they've ever thrown in their life? That pass that he threw on a fr- on, on a Friday night in May and it was just like any he's made a million that were just as good or better. What percentage of people do you think that would be the best pass they have ever thrown in their life? <laughs> I mean, considering what percentage of people have been NBA players, I would what like you know ninety nine point nine. You think it's that high? Would be the best. <laughs> that, if the, that's the best pass they've ever thrown, yeah, sure. I mean, I like. I you mean, know, oh, the, what about I think, all I it's not the best. Basketball. It's not the best NBA pass. It's not the best NBA pass. I've, I mean, you know, like no, no. Jokic has had better passes than that. LeBron, sure. You know, a bunch of guys have had better ones than that, but in terms of like just the rest of the world, that's what we're talking yeah. about. Yeah, I, I'm yeah, talking man. about all of organized basketball. I'm just trying to think like human beings. I, it, it's in the high nineties. Like that. That is. I would. Yeah. I would like. I would love to just if you could do if you could run some sort of like you know, simulator test with NBA players and you just bring them into a room with a computer and you put that, you, you put the, you basically like put them in, you give them the ball in Jokic's position right there. And you're like, all right, where would you pass this? Where would you throw this pass? Yeah. And I don't, I think very few of them are like, I'm going to no look to the corner. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't think it's, I I don't think that that, my thing with Jokic is just the audacity of the passes during the times in the game in which he does them, that he is so unafraid of taking those bonkers chances in tight games is delightful and it is so entertaining. But yeah, I mean, the pass I always remember with Jokic that was like one of the ones or just like made me like a belly laugh for a while was in the bubble against the Clippers. There's one. I can't remember if it was in one of those overtime games or not, but he just kind of catches it at the nail or whatever. And he's not even facing the goal and he just throws it with two hands behind his head to Murray cutting or whatever. And it's just sort of like, oh, yeah, this guy is this guy's seeing the chessboard a little bit. A little bit differently. I mean, like, look, you know, LeBron is LeBron has had that stuff. Luca's got those passes right. Like, there are there there are other guys that can that can do it. Lamelo, like that. But but yeah, Jokic, the combination of the height that he's able to do that stuff at. I think that that's probably the part of it that isn't considered enough. It's his you know, angle it's why just he being, could, being so tall. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's why he could torture the. It's why he could torture the Timberwolves. The way that he could, because like you know, it, it, it he's negating a lot of what makes Gobert special down there. Like it, it, he can just see right up over the top of that stuff. Is why you know, it's why he has so many assists to Gordon, right? Yeah. Like it, that was one of those passes that the announcers were like, "What?" Yeah, that was you that know, was a stupendous just, one. The other the yeah. other thing was um, I this is and then we'll get out of here is uh, quickly. I just wanted to say. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. is continues to be one of the oddest weapons for like a contending team. I was telling somebody like it is very bizarre that you have 
basically a superstar level talent shot creator, but they don't trust him enough. Like he's, I don't know if they're ever going to trust him enough to fully enable him with the ball in his hands because he's so erratic. Cause he'll make these decisions where you're like, I, and you'll see Denver sometimes be running their offense. Like Bruce Brown will cut, like the action's supposed to continue and he'll turn around and be like, Oh, MPJ shot that. I didn't think that was right. like, and he's so, because yeah. he's, you're talking about being tall and just having more options. Like he just is so unbothered by closeout sometimes where he's just like, yeah, I'm open right now. I'm shooting this. And he, he had a sequence where, and it was late in the game where I was thinking, I was like, Denver made him a little, fro- you know, frisky here. He comes yeah. off of a baseline curl and comes all the way from the left corner to the right wing, catches the ball and makes this. Landale had a great closeout on it and he just shoots, elevates and nets a three over him. I thought he might yeah. even have gotten fouled. And then a few plays later, he catches on a backdoor cut, cut and just posterizes Kevin Durant. Like he does things like this, like, he, I mean, he he punched that on Durant in a big time way, yeah. and like Durant landed on his back against the stanchion. Yeah, and it was like Reddick and Richard Jefferson were talking about something else, and then that happened, and then you know Rocco just screamed, and it was like this is what we're talking about now. It was yeah. like one of those like broadcast moments. It was, I mean, that was a great, it was an unbelievable. I mean, we're talking too much about Jokic, as as we all do, but the it. There was a great pass by Jokic there. But yeah, MPJ is one of those like guys that has some of those, you know, Durant, Kawhi kind of shots where you're just like, this guy is, you know, in your chest completely, not giving you any airspace whatsoever. And you're fine. Yeah. He didn't unbother. I mean, he's. He, I, it's it is one of those things. It does feel like they're leaving stuff on the table there with him. You, I, I, I wish they would have given him more, you know, reps, more cuts in the cage throughout the regular season as like the kind of initiator or whatever. I mean, you know, they they give the ball to Brown there some, and he's been he's been solid with it in those sort of limited possessions. It's felt like you never feel like you're in bad hands there when he's got it, especially whenever he's running pick and rolls with Jokic or even, I mean, even in the playoffs now, whenever they're doing stuff with Gordon, I mean, that, like we were saying earlier, that lineup has been, has been having success, but you do wish that like they would have given, given that lineup where MPJ is initiating a few more spins around the block during the regular season just to have him ready for some of these playoff situations. Because like you say, you do get into situations in these series where you need multiple shot creators who can put the ball on the deck and go get something in a situation where, you know, stuff's grinded to a halt. So it, it, it'll it be it'll be interesting to see if that like bites them a little bit more in this series. But I also hate that I just used the phrase. It'll be interesting to see. So we can also we can strike that from the record well, entirely. You, you also said uh, cuts in the cage, which is good, and uh, crank the variance is also good. Yep, MPJ. <laughs> so he was still six for ten from three, so sixty percent. He had twenty-one points. He's a nuisance. Yeah. Uh, he's he's a great player. I'm excited to see how this series is going to unfold. It's one of my uh, I, I I want to, uh, the Lake, Lakers Warriors one. Obviously, is pretty awesome. Tyler it was good to see you. It was good to hear from you. Um, it's uh, you can you, buddy. you can check out Tyler's league pass rankings. Are you updating that again for the end of the playoffs at all, or, or are we set? Yeah, we'll do we'll do at least one more update, maybe two. It it'll depend on how long these two series go. If both of them if both of them go longer, there 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 you know there'll probably be two more. But yeah, I don't know. We haven't 
we haven't talked about it yet. So it'll, right. be, it'll either be this week and next week. But yeah, check us out. We're coming at you with playoff coverage every day on the Ringer NBA feed. So yeah. All right, guys. Thanks to Jade Whaley for producing this and for our buddy Ben, uh, the cruise missile sitting in and, and listening as well and providing uh, some research on who had COVID and who didn't and his great sneaker collection. And we will catch you next time, guys. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.